Welcome to this week's edition of An Hour of Your Life. My name is Kim. And I am Steve. We just got back from a movie premiere. Yes, we did. Down at the Neon Theater here in Dayton, Ohio. We went to go see our our buddy Steve Heeman's first feature film, Cole Rich. Yeah, it was good. I mean, the, the theater was packed. I yeah, liked it. there, it was, it there was were a, a lot of movies. I Steve, understood it. And you got to sit next to one of the actors in the film, your favorite actor in the film, actually. Yeah, he made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. We, we thoroughly enjoyed it. So, Steve, if you're listening, we, um, I personally have a lot of things that I would like to discuss with you about the movie and interpretations, but that's the mark of a good art film, I think, or any piece of art, really, is that it makes you think and it leads you into discussions, and we spent quite a bit of time discussing it afterwards. What I am most impressed with is that I understood what was going on. <laughs> I understood it. So, so that means Steve did a good job. Steve Human did a good job. Yep. We really we did really enjoy it. So if you ever get the opportunity to go see Colrich, you should absolutely go check it out. I, th- I mean, this was like a one-time showing here in Dayton, but I know that uh, he's hoping to take it to other theaters in the future. Also, we're 19 hours away. Well, they don't know what time this is. I know what time it is. We're in 19 hours and some minutes from now. We'll get to find out if we did anything with Best of Dayton at 5 p.m. Monday afternoon. Okay, but if you're listening to this Tuesday, it's already over, yeah. right? But yeah, okay. uh, yeah. I mean, yes, but you can probably go on Dayton.com and find out if, and you. You'll so know. we are we are recording a little bit late tonight. Um, unfortunately, my uncle Troy passed away, mm-hmm. and uh, we were at his service it was on a, s- Saturday, so we didn't yesterday. get to record. It was a beautiful service, yeah. by the way. Uh, Steve got to play. Um, he played Scarlet, and uh, and just it was beautiful. I think, I think Troy would have really enjoyed it. I think so. Yeah. Um. So apologies for getting out a little bit late. Uh, also, I will take full responsibility for getting it out late, late because I decided I wanted to take a nap when we got home this morning. So I did, and so we're recording late, a d- late in the evening, a day late. But here we are. So, do you want to tell them what we're talking about today? What. Really interesting topic, and I had heard about this. I didn't know a lot about it until we started doing the research. This was one of those things, I think it was last week or the week before, that we I mentioned that our favorite topics are when one of us has know, knows a little bit about something and the other one has ev- like never heard of it or knows even less, and this was one of those topics. Yes, that is absolutely correct. I had heard of this. I knew about it. I've seen it. I've read about it, but I didn't know a lot about it until I went through the research and how we're going to break this up. What is it? Well, go ahead. Tell them what it is. We are talking about the lost colony of Roanoke today. Yes. I think it's fascinating, and I love this part of history. And the way we're going to divide this up, Kim is going to tell the story, Mm -hmm. and then I am going to get in, and I'm going to discuss the the different theories that are out there to what happened to these people. I think this can probably be best described as the biggest missing person case in North America. I would agree with that. Um, So Roanoke was supposed to be the first permanent settlement in what is now America in the new world. 
1578, Queen Elizabeth of England issued a six-year grant to Sir Walter Raleigh to explore and colonize unclaimed parts of North America, both to Christianize the natives and to utilize the natural resources of gold and silver. Okay, now just to put this in a little bit of context, because we've talked about the pilgrims, so just a time frame. The pilgrims mm-hmm. landed at Plymouth Rock in 1620. So this is 35, 36 years, doing the math in my head here real quick. Yeah. About 35, 36 years prior to the pilgrims landing. Yes, and I'm glad that you bring that up because... You're welcome. <laughs> because um, after a couple of... Uns- now, I also want to bring up that Walter Raleigh didn't go on any of these missions. He basically funded them. He was a favorite of the queen, so he kind of... la da I know, right? So he kind of hung around at court for a while um, and basically uh, just was the guy who uh, helped find the people to go on the expeditions. He, he didn't go himself. He's the organizer. Yeah, basically. So, But I'm glad that you mentioned that this is... Pre-Plymouth Rock because after a couple of unsuccessful attempts to get to the to America, two ships finally sailed from Plymouth, England in April of 1584 and landed at the Outer Banks. So if you are doing your own research, um, and it, if you're one of those people that doesn't believe us and you follow our mantra of do your research and educate yourselves, they... Uh, they sailed from Plymouth, England to the Outer Banks. It's not like they had already landed at Plymouth Rock and then came down. And the Outer Banks being North Carolina. Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, they tried a couple times um, to during this six-year funding period. One time, um, the ship, one of the ships sank uh, in a really bad storm, and the rest of the ships had to turn back around and go back to England because there was a lot of damage. Um, another time, the crew, uh, there was just so much like a widespread outbreak of sickness that they had to turn around and go back. Okay. So do we wonder why Walter Raleigh didn't want to get on the ship and sail? <laughs> yeah, I, think, I don't blame him. I think the guy had a pretty good thought <laughs> pattern probably, going yeah. on right here. He's smart. Yeah. So they finally, in April of 1584, landed at the Outer Bank, what is now the Outer Banks of North Carolina. The area was named Roanoke after the native tribes that lived there, which included the Pamlico Indians, the Croatoans, the Tuscarawas, Neuse, and Coree Indians. Most of these tribes were cautious at best, and some were downright hostile because, I mean, you have to imagine, like, they lived here, this was their land, and then you have these people coming from... God knows where to go over. And these aren't the first people to come here. Right. They're, they had experience with other Europeans, other people Correct. who had come here. So it's not like... Yeah, and they hadn't been real positive experiences either. Like, the Native people knew that we're here to, like, mine your land and take things over. So they these were not... They were they were not super trustworthy, trusting. Uh, so, so to be clear, Roanoke was the first... Permanent settlement. That was what it the was designed to be. Yes. Permanent yes. Okay. Yes. Not the first visitors. No. Okay. Correct. Good. Ooh. So, are you keeping up? I'm keeping up. A year later, so in about 1585, another group of about 600 colonists sailed again from Plymouth to develop the Virginia settlement as a disruption to Spanish shipping from what's now Puerto Rico and Portugal. Now, um, up to this point, we're talking men. Like, this is not families. These are men coming over to settle the land. Um, and to be clear, we're not talking 
this disruption was not pirates because I looked no, no, into no. that possibility. Pirates didn't happen until maybe 100, 150 years later. Yeah, so. a lot of it was just natural occurrences. So, like, this this group of 600 colonists, um, they, well, they, they wanted to cause disruption to Spanish shipping, so it's not necessarily piracy, but they did want to uh, maybe try to set up trade with, it just kind of put up some blockades. More and general like, warfare, not yeah. Piracy. It was yeah. Um, not, no pillaging and looting. No, there we the, England and Spain had kind of been at each other a little bit. You think? Yeah. So, um, so it was kind of a preemptive strike, kind of a thing. Um, but also this this group of six hundred colonists um, that were supposed to disrupt the shipping, uh, they encountered problems in the islands. Um, natural disaster kind of problems like shipwrecks and typhoons, hurricanes. I mean, not typhoons, but hurricanes are very well known even today yep. in the Outer Banks. Um, and they lost almost 11 months worth of supplies. That'll be one of my theories we'll talk about. So they had, they came with a year's worth of supplies and ended up with only, they were only able to save enough for like 20 days. So it was bad. Um, things had gotten extra tense with the native tribes in this last, in, between 1584 and 1585. And they were made worse by some of the natural phenomena that the Indians correlated with the English colonization. So there had been, um, they, there had been a big drought and uh, just some other just natural disaster kind of things that the native tribes blamed on the settlers, thought that the settlers had upset their, uh, their God, the, the native American gods or, or, Disrupted yeah. the land or whatever. So, now, so all this is coming down from oral history because yes, we, we didn't have the weather service to record right. hurricanes and storms. Yeah. So we really don't know exactly when. I mean, some of it is recorded. Uh, like some of it is recorded history, weather phenomena wise. That is some of it has been recorded um, in ship's logs and things. Okay. But but for the gotcha. most of it, it's oral history. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that winter... Uh, in 1585, right? 1585? 15, yeah, 1585, sorry. So that winter in 1585, some of the colonists sailed up to Chesapeake for supplies while back in Roanoke, disease and famine really ravaged the Roanoke Indians and really took, I, I mean, things were not going well for the Native Americans right now. Finally, in 1587, uh, so after a couple of real tough years, Artist John White and about 100 other settlers, including his pregnant daughter and her family, set sail for the Roanoke Colony. So after about a year and a half, two years, um, enough, they had settled the, the preemptive strike of the two preemptive expeditions of men had settled enough that now they feel comfortable bringing over a couple of families. So... When John White and his family and the, the other settlers arrived, they found no one left alive. Wait, can I ask you a question here, Kim? Sure. Okay, so you know the conditions. If we'd been in England, I said, Kim, I think we need to move, move to North America. Let's get on a boat and let's go. Are you up for that? Are you up for the adventure? But I didn't know the conditions. They didn't know. The settlers didn't know that there had been... Because like I, like I w was going to say... When the, these hundred people arrived, they found none of these guys left alive, although a few of the soldiers had been killed and left. Like, so 
the native tribes had gone after the settlers and had killed a bunch of them and like just left them there at the camp. But they, but John White and these people didn't know because they wouldn't have come. Like, I, you wouldn't have brought your pregnant daughter to this settlement. Yeah, I guess not. So I don't think they did know, but I, I would have been down. Like I, if you had said, if we had lived in England and I didn't know that they were, you know, that the tribes were murdering everybody and that there were skirmishes going on, I would have been like, yeah, I'm up for the adventure. But if I had known, I'd been like, no, so no, we're not going. What is wrong with you? So oh, no. if we were to move, I guess the best thing would not to, to not tell you, hey, things are really rough over here, but let's go anyway. I feel like this is a trap. No, it's just a question. Yeah, I, ignorance is bliss. Okay, I'll Ugh. keep that in mind. Oh, Lord. Mm. Yeah, I. you know what, though? I stand by that. Yeah, don't tell me. If it's bad, I don't want to know. <sighs> yeah, well, I'll hear enough about it if things go south. Okay, anyway. Yeah, let's you, get, I mean, you're going to hear about it Let's, let's get so back anyway. to our story. All right, anyway, so... Um, Two days after arriving, John White's advisor, so there were already all of the people that had been the explorers had already been killed off. And so John White arrives with these, you know, 100 settlers, and he's like, "Uh uh-oh, this is not good. Two days after they arrived, his advisor was found murdered in the woods. Talk about overkill. Dead from a very vicious, brutal beating, as well as 16 arrows. I don't think there's much mystery involved at this one. Okay. I mean, we know that the native tribes blamed the white settlers for drought, for sickness, for everything else. And so they did what they felt like they needed to do and they took them out. So they are not welcoming these new hundred families uh, or hundred people. But they're not all like necessarily against them. One of the tribes headed by a guy named Manteo agreed to watch out for the Indi- or for the English, provided that, quote, there might be some token or badge given them of us, whereby we might know them to be our friends when we meet them anywhere out of the town or island, end quote. Okay, so there had been enough visitors here that some of the Native Americans were speaking English. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they basically struck up a tentative agreement with the Manteo uh, and his tribe, and said, you know, we'll scratch your back, you scratch ours, we'll trade with you, we'll watch out for you, you watch out for us, We're, we don't mean any harm to you, like, just be cool, honey bunny. Um, White asked the Croatoans to spread the word, that the, the Croatoan Indians, to spread the word that the English were interested in talking peace if they heard from the Indians within seven days. But they didn't hear from the Indians within seven days. So sometime after midnight on August 9th, Manteo led White and some of his men across the water to one of the Indian villages. There they attacked the town only to discover too late that it was occupied by friendly Croatoans and not enemy Roanokes. Okay, so that wasn't a good thing right there. No. So this is, it's kind of like, it's, it's a blood feud at this point. Uh, so John White attacked, had meant to attack the Roanokes that killed all of the explorers, but he accidentally, so if they had, apparently there had been some tokens or badges or something given to the Croatoans to identify them as friendly, and they had failed to display them. So White... Not, not knowing, my fault. I, 
white, not knowing that they were friendly, slaughtered all of these people who he thought had slaughtered his people, but they he killed the wrong people, essentially. So things are going from bad to worse. Now, that was on August 9th. On August 18th, Eleanor Dare, John White's daughter, gave birth to the first child born to English parents in North America. Her name was Virginia Dare. I've heard of her. Uh Uh-huh. About this time, the ships had been unloaded, and they're ready to sail back to England. Um, None of the sudden, and the plan was to go send somebody back to England and kind of give an account. None of the settlers volunteered to sail back to England to update the Queen, so... Must have been a pretty rough ride over. Like, I'm guessing. I'd rather stay here and take my chances <sighs> on getting slaughtered instead of <laughs> yeah, riding right? back on that ship back to England. Yeah, so they, the John White, who was in charge of everything, they, I guess this is the problem with being a leader. Um, the, the group nominated him, uh, and he ended up going back to England. He left on August 25th, so August... Yeah. Now, uh, let me say, though, that was pure speculation on my part. Maybe they were uh, hardy stock and said, you know what? We're going to stay here. We're going to settle. Could be. Yeah. Maybe. So they arrived uh, probably sometime early July, like early to mid-July. August 9th, uh, White led the massacre against the Croatoans accidentally. <laughs> August 18th, Virginia Dare was born. August 25th, John White leaves. So it's a pretty tight timeline. Meanwhile, back in merry old England, there were all these skirmishes with the Spanish and also the French. So John White gets back, but there's all of these problems that interfere with transportation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like all of the Queen's ships are busy fighting the neighbors. You look like you want to say something. Yeah. So is there any evidence that, these were just excuses no. for him not to come back. So it's no, pretty legitimate. Is, that, yeah, like, they I, were. They, he wants yeah. to come back. He just he can't. wants to come back. Well, I he's mean, got he's a new got little his, granddaughter here. He does. He his okay. family's here. His wife is here. His daughter, son-in-law, okay. granddaughter. No, he wanted to come back, but it really. Um, he, in fact, he wanted to come back so so badly that he finally hitched a ride with some privateers. He stopped waiting for the queen to give him a ship and sail under royal protection. Um, and after he had been in England three years, he was like, I, I miss my family. I need to get back over to Roanoke. So he hitched a ride with some privateers, and it was just him. Like, he sailed over there. Um, and during that trip, again, there were a lot of... This is from the trip from England to uh, North America is not generally smooth sailing. Apparently, it's a very hard trip to make. It's not. It's the harsh seas and so on and so forth. It's not uncommon for a lot of ships to sink. Um, during this trip back, one of the ships sank uh, that John White was sailing with. Um, and he actually landed back at Roanoke on Virginia Dare's third birthday. Now, the camp was completely abandoned. Uh, and the... Unlike when they landed there the first time and they found dead bodies, there were no bodies. There was just was abandoned. And three letters, C-R-O, had been carved into a tree. So now, before he'd left for England, John White and the settlers had agreed that if they needed to move, they would indicate their destination just like this. 
Like they would carve into a tree where they were going. And this is going to become important with a lot of the theories, how I can say, I don't think this Mm -hmm. is true or I don't believe this theory. They agreed that if they were leaving under duress, they would carve a cross above the letters. But no cross was found above the CRO, which they, which John White um, took to mean Croatoan, uh, which was the name of the island. I think it was just to the south, um, and it was to the north. Oh, it was to the north. Okay, the so north. the Croatoan island was to the north. It's now what Cape Hatteras, right? Isn't that what it is? I think I believe. I think so. it's Cape yeah. Hatteras now. Um, so it was just to the north, and it was inhabited by the Croatoan Indians who. Keep in mind, had been friendly until John White accidentally slaughtered a bunch of them. I'm not real clear on whether they forgave them for that or or what. But uh, so he assumed that it was Croatoan, the Croatoan island, even though um, and assumed that they had left safely and not and were not kidnapped or anything because there was no cross. Now, uh, interesting side note, you can still visit this tree today. Uh, it is part of a national park. It's part of Fort Raleigh National Historic Site. Oh wow! So they preserved the tree. They cut like they cut off the top of it, and they built like an enclosure around it. So you can mm. go visit it, rain or rain or shine. It's it's enclosed, and you can actually go visit the Croatoan tree and get your picture taken right next to it. Anyway, uh, so after John White had found this tree, it was hurricane season, unfortunately, and he what he missed his opportunity. Um, to sail back to Chief Manteo's island. Um, instead, he ended up, he didn't have any choice. He could have stayed there, but nobody was there. Uh, so he just sailed, got back on the boat with the privateers and sailed to the West Indies and then back to England, having never found the colonists. So he never saw his family again, just went back to England. Okay. So essentially what we have is he came back and nobody is there on this island. Right. Where, where the the settlement was. So there are just so many mysteries about this um, and a lot of theories as to what happened to these people. So let me lay some of these things out. What happened to them and why did they leave if they left? Did they leave or was there some sort of natural disaster, maybe a hurricane or something like that? Right. Um, maybe it was erosion that could have been due by the hurricanes. And I do want to point out, too, or remind listeners that th- this is three years after he left. Yeah. Almost three years to the day. Um, at Three years to the month because he left uh, in August, August 25th um, of 1585, and he returned on August 18th, uh, his little granddaughter's birthday, three years later. So, so some time has passed. So were they... Forced off the island by unfriendly Native Americans? Were they hungry and just they needed the assistance of the Native Americans? Because we've read about that. Yeah. And we, in, in other stories, we've talked about that. So maybe they that was there. Yeah, I mean, that's part of, the, you know, the legend of the first Thanksgiving. Yeah. Was it aliens? <laughs> Did disease kill them? Did they starve? Did they simply just decide to relocate? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But... I have an idea, and I'm going to talk about it in a minute. Well, probably about 30 minutes. But we're (laughs) going to discuss each possibility and the likelihood and the evidence. Now, all this is coming from me. There is 
plenty of documentation you can read out there, and I'm not going to cover every theory, mm-hmm. but I'm going to cover some of the, the most likely and some of the most possible theories that are out there. And you'll have to make up your own mind because the truth is, when it comes down to this, no one's going to have an answer. But we're going to discuss each of the possibility, the likelihood, and the evidence. So let's start with a natural disaster. Did a hurricane wash them away? And I'm going to say most likely not. Even though this would have been a quick clear them off the island, I think there still would have been evidence of such a storm. Yeah, my understanding is that the settlement, such as it was, like the buildings and things were still there. Like there were some buildings. And so you would assume that if a hurricane came along that would... Yeah, that wiped them off, that it would, you know, destroy the Croatoan tree wouldn't be there and yeah. their homes would not be well, there. Well, it's, it's unlikely that everybody would have been washed out to sea. Right. It's, it's just unlikely. So I'm going to kind of dismiss this one. The, and as you said, the village and the structures were there and there was no storm damage to any of these villages, to any of the structures. So right. I think we can safely rule out a hurricane as a quick removal of the people. Now, we do know that they just... We're gone. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was they're, they're weird. Gone. They just yeah. up and vanished. So the next theory that we can talk about is, did they have trouble with their neighbors being the Native Americans? Now, there are different possibilities to this theory. If there had been a massacre, if the Native Americans had come in and there had been a massacre, like had happened earlier, mm-hmm. I think we still would have seen evidence of this. I agree completely because we uh, history has shown us that we would still have evidence of this because because they um when they had slaughtered the uh the first group they left their bodies there probably partially as a as like a warning to the next group that they figured I mean I'm sure they thought that there were probably more coming yeah so I would think that they would if there had been a slaughter... They would have left a message. Bodies would have been left. Yeah. And the settlement, most likely... If the settlement had been sacked, I I don't think this happened. I I doubt this was the case. Yeah, because there... I mean, like I said, they would have burned, built, burned the village or left bodies to send a message to... And they... And it's like we said, John White's advisor, he was not just like... Shot with an arrow. He was shot with 16 arrows and beaten to death. They wanted him dead. Yeah. So We're sending a message. Right. Yeah. So, and that didn't happen here. Okay. But there is, I think there is the possibility that relations with one or more of the local tribes was going south. And the settlement, the people there, I think they certainly would have known this. There would have been warning signs. I mean, it just doesn't happen overnight. And so I think they... The possibility that they saw this happening, and so they picked up and they moved on. Something that I didn't really, I don't feel like I made clear. I mean, I didn't mention this at all, um, and I didn't also make it clear. There were multiple tribes in the area. Like, there were the Roanoke tribes. There were the Croatoan tribes. There were multiple tribes from different, um, it's almost like different ethnic groups, I guess. Uh, And... Not all of the tribes got along with each other, so there was inter like kind of interfighting between the Native Americans that were already there 
as well as Native Americans yeah. and English. So, like I said, I think for their own safety, they may have packed up and moved to the safety of a friendly tribe, mm-hmm. like the Croatoans, because by this time, I think... Manteo, it, yeah. Yeah, they, they were friendly again. Mm-hmm. And so they may have gone there for protection. So I think this is a distinct possibility. Yeah, in fact, some I didn't neglected to mention also that some of the tribe um some of the leaders of the tribes had gone back to England with one of the like the first the very first expedition that had come out, some of them had gone back to England. And this happens. And then sailed back with the second expedition. Po- Pocahontas went back to right. England too. Yes, so multiple times. Yeah, and so I mean So it's not unheard of. I mean, yeah. this was pre-Pocahontas, but yes. Uh now, so that was not unusual. And a little bit later, I'm going to talk about with through modern scientific methods that this theory does have credibility that they did move into the safety of some uh, of the Native Americans. You know something there. we don't know? Yeah, I do. All right. Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> so were they hungry? Another theory that we talked about there or mentioned was were they hungry in the need of in the need of Native Americans assistance? Now, this is related to the theory that we just talked about. So possibly, you know, it, instead of they were afraid of being attacked, maybe they were starving, you know, the, the ship had sailed. Yeah. They, they needed assistance just for survival. So then they went and they moved on and they sought well, and we already know the help of a friendly tribe. There had been a drought in the area. Yeah. And the natives that had lived there for generations were having a hard time growing things. How much more are these new people? It's a new land, new crops. They're really going to struggle. Yeah. And like I said, there is, in the 21st century, we do have evidence that this could have been, that this actually could have happened. So another theory that is out there that is in the books, you can look it up, it's on the internet, (laughs) is the possibility it was aliens. Now, I doubt this one. Sorry, Jay. (laughs) You're listening. (laughs) I I don't think it was aliens. And and here's why. Why would the Martians need this many people for experiments? In all the recorded cases that we've heard about Mm -hmm. alien abduction, no one has ever, ever reported a spaceship big enough to haul that many people away. And... Everything that we hear about is just they, they take one or two people to probe. Honestly, I think Jay would probably agree with you on this one. I and think probably Jay would. I think he would probably appreciate you saying, no, this is dumb because the people that believe that it's aliens make real ufologists sound like crackpots when they're not. Yeah. I mean <laughs> has anybody heard of a spaceship that big to haul that many people? We're talking like hundred and seventeen people. I mean the skinwalker ranch, they they took cows but or moved them. Yeah, like, but, not, but we're but, talking I mean, 117 yeah, that's a lot people. Of people. So I think this theory mm-hmm. is highly unlikely, and I don't think this one happened. Now I'm not saying it didn't happen, but just to be clear, I'm saying it didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> now, another theory that's out there is: Did disease kill them? Did they starve? So we're going to lump two theories in together right now: disease and starvation. And I don't think this happened, so I doubt this one. I think it, it, there would have been more evidence. So let's look at the Donner Party. <laughs> okay, now these people weren't illiterate who were out there. We'll have uh, to cover the Donner Party in a future episode because yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. So the people on the island, 
They weren't Ill- illiterate. No. And if it had been a slow process, someone would have left a note. There would have been some sort of evidence, something other than the carving in a tree. Yeah. I mean, after all, like you said, the tree carving was a specific code with a to Where designate they were a location going. Yeah. and with a cross to designate if they were under duress. So right. they weren't, if, if it had been starvation or disease, yeah. they would have, uh, I think they would have left written something in there like, yeah, we're I starving think so right too. Now. And somebody would have survived. And again, let's, let's look at the Donner party. And that's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did they just get tired of the island, maybe island fever or something like that, and they decided to pack up and move? Well, they, they were on the mainland, weren't no, they? No. Oh, they were on the Outer Banks on the they, island. They, they, they were on the Outer Banks okay. here on yeah, the island. Fair. Okay. So this is possible, but again, just like we talked about earlier, I think there would have been more of a reason than island fever. And, well, you know, leaving the code would have been would have been fine and that would have fit that scenario. But yeah. I don't I don't think they just said I'm tired of this little island. Let's pack up and move. But it could be a combination of some of the theories we talked about. So let's go back to the hurricane theory. Now, it's very possible that during that three years they experienced a hurricane and they said, I'm not doing this again because look what happened to us. Right. And you know, so maybe they had time to rebuild, fix their structures up so it didn't look like anything. But they decided, you know, for our safety, the, these storms are massive and we need to move it, it is dangerous. So maybe they decided that maybe we should pack up and we should move inland. I mean, if you still look right now, and I think you mentioned this earlier, you can see the effects of hurricanes oh, yeah. on, on the Carolina coast. So I think this is a, a strong possibility as why they decided they need to leave. But again, I think there might have been more written evidence besides a carving on a tree, but maybe not. Like you said, that was the prearranged signal. So, yeah. so maybe that's what so they decided you, to do. You think though, you, are you, are you drawing your line in the sand that you think they left voluntarily? I'll get to that. Okay. Okay. So there is evidence now that the hurricane as they came through. So the, the Outer Banks, they're pretty much sand islands. So if you you have your village out there, your, your settlement, mm-hmm. and these hurricanes come in, there's going to be erosion. Oh, yeah. And like right now, if there's a hurricane, the state, they go back in, they fill in sand because there's a lot of money to be made on the Outer Banks sure. and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, it's a big but, tourist destination. But, yeah, so, but back then it wasn't. So maybe some of these hurricanes came. You know, maybe they got two years in a row of hurricanes and it started washing. Forget this. It started washing away their island and right. their settlement. That makes sense. Now, there are some people that believe that the original site of the settlement is now is not where people have been looking. They think that because of this erosion, that the original settlement was 400 meters off the coast, east, out into the Atlantic Ocean. So, but then how do you explain the tree? Well, they packed up and they moved. I mean, it wasn't, the erosion didn't happen overnight. So they saw this happening and they moved. And then maybe it been oh. over another year that the erosion okay. moved their settlement. So, so you're talking like over the couple of years. It's not like there yeah. was a hurricane and then there was massive erosion. No, 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 no. I moved. Okay. Could have been. I don't know. Okay. But whatever. That's, that, that is one yeah, possibility. And we really this don't, is a 
popular theory right now. And we don't have anything to either, um, because they were settlers, we really don't have anything to either confirm or negate that as far as erosion because they're what like they didn't chart that. Well, right. But right now there is a theory, there's evidence that supports this theory. Over time people have been looking for the physical evidence, but they've been looking in the wrong place. If they'd been looking 400 meters out in the Atlantic Ocean, which there are people now, mm-hmm. archaeologists, amateur archaeologists who are out there looking and they are finding evidence in the forms of pottery and other artifacts 400 meters out into the ocean where this settlement could have been, the original where settlement. They think original. Yeah, or at least a part of it. Right. But that fits the theory that our, our where we live is eroding away. We need to pack up a move. And so move maybe not, you know, like yeah. the whole settlement didn't erode, but there's evidence that it there that there was a settlement 400 meters off the coast. Right. And so they saw this and they decided to pack up and move. So the carving was found about three miles north of where the settlement was. And this fits the instructions that White was left with when he sailed back to England. But then the question is, where did they go? So there are two good possibilities. And this really gets... Well, and I didn't realize, too, that the tree was three miles from yes. the settlement. So then that really further underscores the the probability the direction that they were going that, north. Yeah, it underscores the probability that they l- did leave from the original settlement and they were in the process of like going further inland. Right. So there was an old map found in a museum in London that, and this is kind of difficult to explain. It's going to be difficult for me to explain, but they found this old map. Modern people now have found this old map. And on the map, there was like paint or had been covered over a location. And through modern technology, they can look through this paint. They didn't scrape it off, but they could look through like an MRI or something like that. Yeah. And they were able to see on this map that what had been covered up was the site of an old fort. It was marked on the map. And people have gone and explored this fort. Fort where it is, it's up the. This is a map of America. Yeah, that had been it, found in London, England. It, it, yes, and okay. so it's about fifty miles from Plymouth. From Plymouth, where they had settled, right here. Oh, where from Roanoke? From Roanoke, yeah. Okay. And so it's about fifty miles up the inlet. Okay. Where this was now, they found artifacts of the period that have been found at this location. So the problem with this theory that I see is that white had been in that area previously. And let's just say the Europeans didn't get along with the natives up there. So apparently the settlers accused the Native Americans, like when they were there before, White and crew had gone up there, and I guess they they accused the Native Americans of stealing their stuff. And things didn't go well with that. White, <laughs> and, Party had, yeah, White and Party had to abandon the fort just because it was just, too dangerous for them to be up there. Okay, so let me get this straight so that I understand. Okay. So in London now, in modern day, they found a map yes. of America with that had been painted over. Right. But they found the map was of America, and on the map was the a fort that White had visited while he was at Roanoke. Yes. That 
they got basically kicked out of the fort. Or left. Or left and had to go back to Roanoke. So he had landed at Roanoke, went to this fort, presumably for supplies, and then back to Roanoke. Or they went up there to try to settle to move in. I wonder if that was the Chesapeake area where they had gone. I don't know. know, It's it's up the inlet right there from where the island was. It's just... okay. If you're familiar with that part of the country, there's I am not, but okay. big inlets that head that way. So, this would explain why artifacts would have been found up there, because we know that White and crew had been up there. Right. I just find this scenario is unlikely. So that if the people on Roanoke Island had to relocate for whatever reason, I don't think they purposely would have relocated to an area where they knew Native Americans were going to be unfriendly to them. I yeah, mean, that makes sense. I mean, why would you? Would you pack up and move if you knew you weren't welcome in the neighborhood? No. That would be like us going up to, like, Ann Arbor. Oh. <laughs> we, that, we, we wouldn't do that. Why would we do that? Okay. <laughs> okay. Maybe you better explain that. <laughs> I mean, we... So, okay, it's an Ohio State reference. Like, they're, you know, people in Ohio State don't... People in Ohio and Southern North, like people in Ohio don't like people in Michigan, generally speaking. And people oh, in Michigan don't like people from Ohio because there's this big... At least on game day. ...college rivalry. So, yeah, the, it's the same kind kind concept. All right. So now we don't <laughs> have any friends in Michigan. Okay. <laughs> we love the Youpers. Okay. Yeah, we have friends up there. I'm just trying to explain in a way that my simple mind can understand. Big rivalry between Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, it's the same as the Native Americans and the Roanoke colonists. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I think after reading and researching and doing all this stuff and putting my brain to thinking on this, I think the most likely scenario is that they relocated to present-day Hatteras, which is just north of Roanoke. One, it fits the agreed-upon signal that was there. They didn't leave under duress. Mm -hmm. The Croatoan tribe was on Hatteras, and they were friendly to them. Yeah. So if you had to move, why would you move to a dangerous area? You wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You would move to a safer location. So what evidence is there of this? Okay, again, there's period artifacts. Now, one of the big things that really is out there, there's, in particular, a piece of brass that was found there. So you might say, so... A piece of brass. A piece of brass. So what? Right? So the Native Americans had brass, and so did the settlers. So they took this piece of brass that they found within the past couple years. This was found on Hatteras. On Hatteras. Okay. They took this piece of brass, and it was tested. So if... The brass had arsenic in it. That would mean that it had to come from England or Ireland. If it had been Native American brass, it would have been more pure. Okay. So they did the test, and guess what? It had arsenic in it. It had arsenic in it, which meant that that piece of brass had to come from England or Ireland. Okay, so... Okay, so but my immediate question would be then, how do they know that it came from a settler who had moved to Hatteras as opposed to a settler who had traded with a Croatoan Indian who took it back to the island. Well, they don't. But this is just more anecdotal evidence. So these kind of artifacts can all be explained by other visitors coming to the area over time. Yeah. But it's just... Or trading. Or trading. So it's just more 
more evidence that when you start adding one plus one plus one plus one. I guess it's better than no evidence. Now, you're going to ask me, is there any more solid proof? I, I, that's exactly what I'm asking you. Why, yes, there is. <laughs> it's called DNA. Oh. DNA. So earlier in the show, we said there's more modern scientific evidence yeah. to support this theory. So some of the Native Americans today in that part of Roanoke and that part of Hatteras, mm-hmm. they show a physical resemblance and traits to Europeans. Through oral history of the tribes, the, the, the Native Americans spoke of relations, you know, with bonding with the, with the English, with the Europeans. With and, this, this group in particular. Well, it, it just says through oral history, many of the relatives spoke English. Okay. Through, is passed down through generation to generation to generation. Okay. So, for whatever reason, the settlers abandoned their settlement on Roanoke, and they relocated to Hatteras, and they intermingled with the natives. Interesting. And had children. Now, the oral history here does not suggest that there was rape or anything like that, but it suggests that there were marriages, so offspring were produced. Some of the locals up there still carry British surnames. Of the same... Of colonists people, that of were the, part of, the of Roanoke. colonists who were part of so, Ro- like Dare is Dare still a surname that's around in that area? No, but there's a person called Brown. So, is this proof positive? No, but it's it's just really strong anecdotal evidence. Like you say, the piece of brass, these people there. So, let's go back to the DNA. There was a person of Native American descent with the surname of Brown. And he was asked to have his DNA tested to help solve this mystery, Is like I said, of the oldest, the biggest case of missing people in yeah, the United the old, States. Yeah, it's the, like the nation's biggest, oldest cold case. Yeah, so he, yeah, it is. So he agreed, <laughs> he agreed to do this. And guess what the DNA test showed? Is he a... I mean, he was, he's an Indian named Brown. That's a very British name. He was of European and Native American descent. And Brown was one of the original Roanoke colonists. Yes. Huh. Yeah. But I wonder if Brown... I don't mean to be, like, the skeptic here. I'm just trying to well, like I said, provide other... Because I don't imagine that Brown is a super uncommon British name. No. So could Brown have been another colonist that landed at Hatteras another time? It could have been. Okay. Well, the DNA is more sophisticated than that. Oh. So, so they were able to determine that the common DNA went back to that time frame. So we, we've oh, done. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we've done, you know, our t- test and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, it's actually really neat, but I'm not smart enough to understand well, they all can, of the haplogroups and all of that. You know, well, they were able to determine by the amount of common DNA that they were able to pinpoint this or relatively close to this time frame. Look, I can't even begin to explain how they were determined the DNA link. That's but really... It, but it goes that are way smarter than us. Yeah, it goes through the male Y chromosome, and by the percentage of whatever they can look at, they can determine with a little bit of certainty how many generations back that link is. So... This is about as technical as I'm going to get on DNA. If you want more detailed information on that, 
You can ask my cousin Stephanie. Oh yeah, who Steph's actually a, like a molecular biologist who has a doctorate she? in this stuff and yeah, worked so, on some pretty so you, cool projects. If you really want to know, uh, Steph, if you're listening, let us know if we can give people your email and we'll. Yeah, or maybe Steph <laughs> just call us and explain how this works. But that yeah. is that is as detailed as I'm going to be able to explain all this right here. So if you add up all the DNA, the physical, the anecdotal evidence, and I think we have the most likely scenarios to what happened. So let me go back and yeah, rehash this one. Th- throw this all together for yeah. us. They packed up and they moved to Hatteras. <laughs> That's it. All right. All of that. An hour now, of your life gone down the drain. So we still, <laughs> with with all this stuff, the evidence that we've just talked about, it still won't make it out of the, the theory stage. Well, I understand that for all of the reasons that I've brought up of yeah. Brown as a common surname. It could have been this. It could have been that. Anecdotal evidence is not scientific evidence. No, but the DNA is pretty That's strong evidence pretty because they can go back there. So- this is what I'm going with is the most plausible theory as to what happened up there. So to sum it all up, I think we know where they went. The big question is, and no one can answer this, is why? Well, and another question that I have uh, that nobody, that I don't know the answer to is why didn't anybody else, any of the other extended families of these hundred colonists or white himself, why didn't they ever try to go back and look for them again? Like he only tried to go to this one Island, like one time. And, and then, then he, he ended up having off. to go back to England. Like, well, he, he took off with the privateers, you know, maybe they were going to go down. Yeah. I, but I mean, obviously other, other settlers came back later why didn't he come back with them? Or why didn't any of the other hundred colonist families come back and look for them? Or did they? And we just don't hear about it. I don't know. And that's the mystery. I mean, I wouldn't think if I left you and a kid on the island and I went back to England and I landed back on that island, oh, she's gone. I think I would have spent a little bit of time there looking for you. Yeah. And thinking like, you know, it didn't take me a long time to come up with all these different theories. Right. So, you know, maybe they moved. And I I'm, I think I would have spent a significant so amount of time. John White in and of himself sounds a little sketchy to me. He was an artist. He was. You can't trust those guys. Well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We have lots of artist friends. Yeah. So I'm, I, I think he should have, could have, would have spent a little bit more time. And we... We don't know everything that was going on. There may have been good reason, you know, maybe, maybe because, you know, he came over on the, that ship yeah. as just as a single individual. Right. And, and he had assumed that he was going home. So he had assumed that he would have a place to stay yeah. and food and all of that. So he was probably relatively unprepared yeah. to he strike he, out on his own. Yeah, and so the, the privateer said, okay, you can stay here by yourself. But we sell in, at dawn. That's, that's at, exactly what we happened. We sell at high tide. I think that's pretty likely. Yeah, that's exactly what the privateer said to him. But then that raises my question of why did he... Why didn't he come back? Why did he go with the... Well, your question too. Why did he go with the privateers instead of saying, you know what, thanks for the lift, I'm going to stay here. Well, like, like I just said, but, he would have I mean, been that by makes himself. Sense. Like he would have been there by himself. But 
I don't know. I there's just a lot of questions. Like they he could have Yeah, been, that's why it's a mystery. I know. I mean, he could have done that knowing that privateers, knowing that the, you know, this privateers probably came and went fairly often every, you know, but few months or so. But there was nobody there. Yeah, but I, that's what I'm saying. Like if it had been you, you would have stayed there and looked for me. Probably I, not no. if I'd had to been there, but I may have gone back to England. And, and that then, was that was something that I just thought of too. Is maybe one of the reasons that he decided to go back to England after seeing that they weren't there. Maybe he thought, well, they might have tried to head back to England. Well, let me before this is held against me. Let me finish this one up. I think I would have gone back to England and organized another party to come over and look. Oh yeah, but, that makes sense. But he apparently just abandoned this idea of looking for them. He went back and said, they're gone. They must be dead. Well, maybe not. I mean, maybe that's a good point. Maybe he went back to England to try to get a party and he just couldn't get enough people or raise the funds or get, I mean, who knows? Like, there were 117 families. Someone would have been arrested. I know, that's what think? I'm thinking. You would think. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What's I don't know. Maybe John White just sucks. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe he's just a bad I mean, guy. He's I the wish, villain of this story. I I wish that there was enough documentation and written evidence mm-hmm. so that we would know what was going on in his mind. Surely he would have had some sort of writing or left some sort of notes, a diary explaining why. But in everything that we've looked at, yeah. there's there's nothing so, that explains why he left and never tried to come back. Do you really want to know, though? Like, if they find an answer, would you be a little disappointed? No. But let me if ask you this. they solve one of the greatest mysteries of, in the history of America? But does it, does it bother you now that, like you're saying, one of these greatest mysteries in America, does it bother you that with the scientific evidence and the way that we have now... If they were able to prove this, would you be would you be disappointed? I think I would maybe be a little bit disappointed. I mean, it would be cool to know, but I don't know. It's a double edged sword because yeah, I I I like I like an air of mystery to some things, but I think even there is enough that science will never be able to prove. Like some of these questions of why this or why that or what were you thinking that there's no way science is never going to be able to tell us why John White never came back. No, we'll never know that. So there are still, even if science is able to tell us definitively, yes, they moved to Hatteras. Some of them died on the Island of starvation. Some of them, this, some of them, that even if science can tell us that, I think there's still enough of the mystery. Yeah. The why. The why. The like the human fact. I don't want to say the human factor. That makes science sound inhuman and that's not true. But the I guess maybe the psychological factors more so than the physical factors that that mystery will never be solved. In any of your reading, did you find out anything that happened to John White? I did not. No, I didn't. That I just found out that he he, um, he left, he just, he left and, and was he, never came back. And he, like, but it bothered him. Like, he was not happy about it. I did find that he, you know, he. Did he just fade out of history? I, I as far as I know, I think so. Hmm. I mean, honestly, like his granddaughter, his three-year-old granddaughter, Virginia Dare, is more famous than he is. 
Well, what do you know about Virginia Dare? So, I mean, she is, she's basically famous for just being the first child, the only girl. So there were two babies that were born around that same time as Virginia. It was but she Vir- was the first. She was the first and she was the, the only girl. Um, there was another little boy born. But she, uh, so she, she was the first baby born to English parents on okay. in North America. And that's it. Like, that's her claim to fame. But I do want to talk about um, the Dare Stones. Okay. We didn't talk about this because it's really, I wanted to save it in case we had time um, because it's, uh, it's a little scandalous. Okay, so on November 8th, 1937, so we're way ahead into the future now, this guy named Lewis E. Hammond visited Emory University with a 21-pound stone asking for help in interpreting the market or the markings on it. He said that he was a tourist in California. He'd been traveling the country with his wife, and he found the stone um, in Chowan County, North Carolina. And on the back of this stone, in Old English, on one side said, Ananias Dare and Virginia went to heaven 1591. Any Englishman show this rock to John White, governor of Virginia. Now, on the other side of the stone, it says, Father, soon after you go... This is a big rock, by the way. I remember, it's 21 pounds. Father, soon after you go for England, we came here. Only misery and war for two years. Above half dead these two years, more from sickness being 24. A savage with a message of a ship came to us. Within a small space of time, they became frightened of revenge and ran all away. We believe it was not you. Soon after, the savages said spirits were angry. Suddenly, they murdered all save seven. My child and Ananias, too, were slain with much misery, buried all near four miles east of this river upon a small hill. Names were written all there on a rock. Put this there also. If a savage shows this to you, we promised you we would give them great plenty presents, EWD. Okay, so how much credibility is given to this as real? At first, quite a bit. Um, but over time, and the more people that have... And there there are more stones besides this, too. Like, uh, there are a total of, I think, 45, 48 dare stones, quote-unquote okay. dare stones is what they're called. Um, but over time, interestingly, a lot of them came from this same Hammond guy who claimed to be just okay looking with his wife. Um, and they have been passed through several hands. Eventually, most scientists, not all, but most scientists have discredited them, saying that the verbiage and the spelling was not correct. I mean, it wouldn't have shown up in uh, the way that it was written was like after 1591, which is when the stones are supposed to be from. Basically, these stones have no significance. Right. They're basically thought to... Most people, most scientists will agree that they're forgeries. However, there are a few that are still kind of on the fence or still like, maybe this is what happened. So I didn't really want to bring them up, but we have time. So... Um, So it doesn't really answer what happened to Virginia Dare. No, but uh, for those of you listeners who are out there and you might hear about the Dare Stones, I'm here to tell you, take it with a grain of salt. Most likely salt. salt, And that's why we didn't mention these, 
is one of the possible theories to what happened because right. it doesn't give any credibility to but, anything that happened. No, but it's still, I mean, it, it, I I feel like this lends extra credibility to but not your the f- theory. Like it's, you're not the first person to come up with this theory. It was such a credible theory that for many, many years, scientists believed that these stones that basically had your theory were real until they were able to like really get into it and say, no, they're, they're probably fakes. Okay. And to clarify one thing, when we say that White came back to the village, mm-hmm. okay, the village was not pristine. Oh, no, no, no. It was not in tip-top yeah. shape. I mean, it was, you have to remember what the building materials were that they were working with. We're talking basically like glorified sticks. So, like, some of the houses had fallen down, um, and they were, you know, it is a hurricane-prone, wind, windy area. Yeah, we, so, and we don't want you to think that he came back and there were eggs still frying on the frying pan. Yeah, that's not was, that's not what it was like. Right there was this was three years later. Like there, I mean, you have an, an abandoned. It had clearly been abandoned for some time, and so things are gonna, you know, well, deteriorate. That is go. the story of the lost settlement of Roanoke. Uh-huh. Pretty interesting. A lot of mystery still out there. If you know about this and you want to write to us at alosthour at gmail.com, tell us what you think. Do you agree with Steve that they just packed up and moved to Hatteras? And for whatever reason. For whatever reason. Give us your reasons. Why do you think they moved to Hatteras? Um, did they just get tired of hurricanes and they wanted to... They, did they get lonely and they wanted to join the Native American tribes? What What do you think happened? Oh, I told you what I think happened. Well, I know what you think happened. I want to hear what the listeners think happened. All right. So, Kim, if someone wanted to get hold of us, how do they get hold of us? You can find us at alosthour at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook um, at An Hour of Your Life, Instagram at An Hour of Your Life, um, and on the Twitter at alosthour. All right. So, from the beautiful studios in Beaver Creek, Ohio. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. Sources for this week's episode include Brendan Wolf's The Roanoke Colonies from the Encyclopedia of Virginia, found at Virginia Humanities, the History Channel, Wikipedia, Dare Stones, and our ever-intrepid investigator, Steve. Thanks! <laughs>